0: Welcome to the Defence Forces Podcast, brought to you by the Defence Forces Public Relations Branch.
1: Hello and welcome to the Irish Defence Forces Podcast. My name is Captain Keane Clancy and today we're welcoming Sergeant Mina Kennedy of Public Relations Branch, Company Sergeant Sandra Murphy of Two Brigade Communications Information Services Corps and Sergeant Leona Walsh of 102 Squadron in the Air Corps. And we're going to be chatting about their 26 years in the Defence Forces. So we're recording today in the context of the approaching 40th anniversary of uh, women joining the Defence Forces. So I suppose, as I usually do at the start of the podcast, I'm going to just break down what, what way we're going to go. So first, we're just going to get you to introduce yourselves and, and give us a little bit of broad background of your own careers and where you're from and what motivated you to join. We're going to talk a bit about the history of, of women joining the Defence Forces and, and when it began and, and how it kind of evolved from there and the various milestones. We're going to talk about your own recruit training. Um, because you're all from the same recruitment, which is a, which is a great thing to have you on. So I'm sure there's plenty of stories to talk about. Um, then we're going to move on to your own career in a bit more detail, career progression, and, and the challenges you would have faced. Um, and then we're going to talk a bit about the next generation of people coming into the into the defence forces and women joining the defence forces into the future and kind of what the future holds. Um, so first of all, welcome everybody. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks very much for coming on. Um, so I suppose we, we just sat with you, Reena. So like just kind of where you're from, like where you're working now and just what motivated you to join the Defence Forces back in, I think it was, what, when was it?
2: 1994. Yeah, I met these two girls here, Sandra and Leona, in August 1994, as we th- were thrown into a, a room together at the start of recruit training with the 40th recruit platoon in Depo was as it was called, in, in Cahillborough Barracks. I'm from County Offaly. Um, What motivated me to join was at a very young age, I think I was 11 or 12, someone told me the story about the Nyemba ambush and I had an interest in history and all the way through secondary school, no book ever taught me anything about the history of Nyemba or the
1: history of Irish soldiers serving overseas. So, so for, people, for people at home, just the Yamba ambush was during the mission to the Congo. The
2: in- mission to the Congo, where nine Irish soldiers were were amb- ambushed by the the locals in the Congo and killed. Essentially, um, so the history books didn't teach us about that. So I my interest in the defence forces stemmed from, I suppose, Ireland's service overseas uh, unbroken to this day, and that's why I decided to join. I. They weren't recruiting. The Defence Forces weren't recruiting. Um, when I did my leave insert in 1991, so I filled the gap by doing three years in DIT in the College of Marketing and Design. And in my final year, they advertised, I applied, and I was successful.
1: rest is history. That's it. Fantastic. What about yourself, Sandra?
0: Um, I, jo- I looked to join the Army in my leave insert year, which was in 19... 19- Ninety, and I wasn't successful. I left school then in nineteen ninety. Did my leave, and sir so applied again, and lucky enough, on, this, on my second attempt, I was successful. I think the reason I joined, well, my dad was in the army. I had uh, my uh, grandfather was also in the army, and it was uh, something I wanted to do. Um, my parents were more than happy for me to join. They were actually delighted. And I think when I left school, I wasn't ready to go to college. I wanted to work. Things have changed since then. I've gone twice since I joined the army. But at that time, I wasn't ready. The army was uh, a good career choice at the time.
1: Oh, and it's going to be interesting as well. Like, obviously, for everybody's career, but, but you're, you're the senior in the room as well. So you, you've gotten to the top of of your of your particular recruitment stream as well so from a management perspective and it's going to be interesting talking to you all about your career progressions and, and everything that you've you've picked up along the way and what you can potentially do in in the defense force and what about your, yourself Fiona?
3: so um i was a school leaver in 1994 and uh i didn't really know too much about the defense forces so my sister applied to join so um i said sure i'll have a bash at that. Um, i didn't really want to go to college at the time, um I just wasn't ready to go straight back into studying again, totally different these days now but um so yeah, my sister joined in april ninety four and I followed her and joined in august ninety four with the the two girls here and um yeah the rest yeah of leona them. was the baby she was only 17. no i was 18. Was yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. karen was the fourth girl in our platoon and she served i think almost 22 years just yeah. left quite recently so the four of our four of us were yeah. lifers yeah. yeah
1: fantastic so i suppose we're going to go into recruit training and kind of that experience in a little bit more detail a little bit further on in the podcast but just to give people the background that who mightn't whom know, but just the history of, of women in the defence forces and um, when they would have come in and kind of how that has set up and th- and those big milestones that um, that would have been part of, of that process, the process of integration. Um, so, so when um, when were women brought into the defence forces originally?
2: Historically, uh, the first female to be commissioned into the uh, the Irish Defence Forces was Bridget Lyons Thornton. Although she never wore a uniform, she held the rank of commandant in the Army Medical Corps between 1922 and 1924. Um, Moving on then, a a good number of decades later, the, the necessary legislation to enable the enlistment of women was introduced in the Dáil on the 17th of July, 1979, and the first four female cadets were sworn in on the 10th of March, 1980. They were commissioned in April, 1981, and then in June 1981, the first female recruit platoon, 40 women I believe, commenced training in the
1: Currah. And this was at a time when when women were trained separately in their own uh, classes and recruit platoons?
2: Yes, there was two all-women recruit platoons, 1981 and then the platoon or the recruitment drive that Sandra applied for, the second platoon of all women trained in the Currah in 1990. Um, we were the first integrated, or those girls uh, who and guys who joined in 1994 was the first integrated platoon. Uh, there were girls who joined the Army Apprentice School in Nace, and also they uh, joined as apprentices in the Air Corps. But the first integrated platoon, yes, was in 1994, where girls trained in the Cora, in Cork, in Gormanstown, in Athlone, and in Caherbane Barracks. All roles to this day, very welcoming, are open to. Uh, Gender doesn't prevent you from serving anywhere, uh, be it special forces, be it naval service, air corps, any infantry unit, we, can, we have the freedom to serve wherever we, wherever we can.
1: Yeah, and, and of course, just a, a later milestone as well was the, the first entry of women into the Naval Service, which came a little bit later.
2: Yeah, the first female Naval Service cadet commenced in 1995, and I think two ladies were commissioned together in 1997. And then the first female Naval Service recruits then came in in January 1997. So, yeah, we, we can be found everywhere yeah, today.
1: Serving in, a, in an infantry unit originally... Uh, well, you're still Infantry Corps, uh, Rina, and uh, even though you're, you're working in the Public Relations branch with us, and Leon, you were originally Infantry Corps.
3: I, yeah, I was Infantry, so I was in the 5th Battalion when it was in Collins' barracks. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's actually, the in the museum now, there is a replica of a female soldier and that's actually me. One of the guys down in uh, photo section uh, took it of me. So I'm still in Collins' barracks. Um, <laughs>
1: She's a relic. <laughs> priceless. Priceless
3: relic. I
2: was
3: you said that right yeah. An artefact. Um, but, yeah, so I was in Collins' barracks in the 5th Battalion for about a year. And... Then I was asked, would I like to go back to CTG East, as it was known where we trained, and work in the orderly room there. So I went back there for a year, and then I went overseas um, in 1997. Came back from overseas, and I came out here in, to the Air Corps in August of 98 on my flight time course.
1: And you went into the uh, Communication Information Services Corps?
3: Yeah, I
0: just went straight from a group training to it was 6 feet signals at the time. And uh, I said there. my whole career has been in the Communication Information Services School.
1: Okay, so to go into like a bit more detail, so when you all came into Kalbru it was Carl Brewer, I believe, where where you trained, uh August nineteen ninety four. What was mm-hmm. what was that what was that like? What was the first day like for you?
3: I remember um I met you at the gate hot arena. We all
2: gathered in the gate.
3: Yeah. At the
2: gate area waiting to be told and
3: And then we went up to the rooms and I'm very nosy, so I said to the girls, right, we have 20 questions, and we'd ask each other 20 questions to get to know each other, so I went around the mall and asked them all of that, but I suppose it kind of broke the ice a bit, Um, didn't know what we were letting ourselves in for, I suppose, uh, in a good light, but um, yeah, it was was strange, Um, I'd never left home before. Um, Right. Yeah, mommy's and daddy's girl, um, and to, to to leave home and to to join the army. It was it was it was different.
1: Well, I suppose you kind of found strength in your classmates mm. in, in within the recruit class and kind yeah, of support from the, each other.
2: At the gate that morning, there was there was other people who had FCA back then RDF experience at the time, so they were springing to attention and yes, sergeant and no corporal. And I had no clue who was what or what rank markings or anything and we we went to the room, and I had left my flatmates. I had been living as a student for three years with all the freedom in the world, and I was going into an environment where I was told what to eat, when to eat, how to dress, what to dress, how to walk, so it took a bit of an adjustment, but the the camaraderie straight away in the room between the four of us, I suppose we got strengthened, the four of us were in this together and we were all new to this and the other four girls who trained at the same time in another room. But uh, there was a, about, about, I suppose there was three other platoons in training. And those girls, probably about 15, 16 of girls that were already on the corridor uh, a couple of weeks ahead of us. So they were a great help in those first few days, teaching us how to make bed blocks, what way your boots should be bold. We had, yeah, the, I suppose the safety of the girls who had a little bit more experience helping us out. But the four of us got, became very, very close very, very quickly in order to survive, I think. Um, but it was wonderful.
0: I do think we were very lucky that we had four four women because the lads if you remember at the time the lads were station were billeted over about half a mile away from us and we used to turn up and parade and we were had the wrong dress on because the lads wouldn't tell us what was going on and then we'd all have to sprint back. But yeah, at least yeah. it was four of us so when the four of us got in there was trouble, at least the four of us got in trouble and yeah, it wasn't yeah. just an individual. Uh, I, I remember recruit training and I and I think even you know, I remember they were saying at the time, This is the best time of your life in the army. You'll remember this and we were all saying that oh, all as soon as it's over, I can't wait for this to be over. But when yeah. you look back, twenty six years later, it was the best time. It really was, and, and we have been friends right. for twenty six years. And we just, and we mightn't see each other for months, but we can pick up a phone, and it's like we were yesterday. Yeah, yeah. We, we were together.
1: Yeah, and I think a lot of people say that that's their experience of it. And, and when you look back, you, yeah. you have a real goal to reach. Like you have something ahead of yeah. you, that mm-hmm. you want to.
3: Yeah, we're very supportive of each other, you know. We know that we can call each other even if we haven't seen each other. In yeah. Look, we still have a WhatsApp group between the whole lot of us and we still communicate
0: uh, uh, continuously.
2: Yeah, we meet yeah. now and again and nights yeah. away in a hotel and go for dinner and drinks and a yeah. um, couple of times we've met with the, the wider platoon. I think at our 20-year, yeah. we marked it quite high because we weren't sure how many were going to be left after 21. So the, the guys and girls, we, we make a good effort to keep... In touch, we have our own Facebook page that we communicate on, and anybody's achievements we, we place in here. And to this day, all all the guys and and the girls were like are equally supportive of achievements in civvy street or achievements in uniform. Uh, we're a tight group still. It's yeah. it's it's lovely. Yeah,
1: fantastic. Um, but I presume like during the train, there was, there was an awful lot of challenges for you as well. Like you know from from a lot from a lot of perspectives. Um, I know that we mentioned when we were talking that you you were extremely fit and you were.
0: Yeah, well, see, I, I, I'm a runner, I was a runner, yeah, and I like I continue to run, it's something I enjoy, so I was, when I joined the army, I was very fit, but I was also very light, so there was challenges, because it's it's easy to run when you're just carrying yourself, but it's not as easy to run when you're carrying pack and helmet and yeah. all that kind of stuff, but yeah, physically, at the time, I was very fit, and really enjoyed the physical aspect of it, uh, yeah, I
3: enjoyed that part of it. But- you had the you had the smallest boots. That's right. <laughs> do you remember?
2: Yeah, I think you were size three, and your boots yeah. were the daintiest thing. They were almost oh, like a keyring.
3: Awesome. And at the
0: time, I was I hated them because I was different from everybody else. But when it came to the runs in them, I was delighted because they were so light.
2: Had, you, you also, we only had one pair of boots. Yeah. It was only the barrack boot, and we had to run in them, do your tactics in them, and then have them ready for parade. And you had the smallest little piece to bull for parade yeah. <laughs> because your foot was so was so short. So I remember you having a distinct advantage oh. over. Over the over the rest of us, but yeah, look, the, you know, the, the the physical aspect was challenging at times, but we, we just got through it. And I must say, the the guys that were with us in that platoon were right. just awesome. They were yeah. fantastic to help us out. To. Give us a helping hand. They, they really were great to us.
3: Oh, my yeah. buddy, he was six foot four, God love me, he was stuck with me. But he would just put his arm through yours and make sure that you got there, you know.
2: Sometimes your feet, on the end of those runs, your feet wouldn't be touching the ground. Maybe. I know, you be, you'd be, lifted along. You yeah, know.
0: they were great, great. Yeah, they were great. Pass, yeah, yeah Paulina, you didn't have much help. I was your buddy.
2: <laughs> well, Sandra was our mass gore in training, and, you know, Sandra didn't drink, didn't smoke, went to mass every Sunday, didn't lie, she couldn't lie and got us in more trouble when a grumpy NCO might say to us, and the Judas, where did you clean those boots, recruit Murphy? And we had her warned and rehearsed and said, do not admit you clean them in the shower or the sinks, you clean them outside with a brush. Sandra couldn't lie. Did you clean them in the sink? Yes, Sergeant. And yeah, it was uh, born of contention from many of a a late detail the fact that Sandra couldn't fib when when desperately needed (laughs) (laughs) to. but we went to Kilworth for the very first time and half of us didn't even know where it was yeah everybody had talked about oh the Glen of Amal the Glen the Glen wait till you get to the Glen and I didn't even know where that was but scratching the Glen so we were going to Kilworth and we just remember that on the journey was about six hours long on the back of a truck all all the way to Cork we got there look it's as it's as it's as grim in winter as it is but look it's it's uh, it was wet it was cold it's everything that's physically and mentally tough there but again you know you go back to your billet you try to learn that potbell like the potbelly stove and I was never as glad to be from the middle of County Offaly because I knew about turf I knew about how to get a fire going and Leona there from Glasnevin in Dublin, it was all alien to horror. So. Well,
3: my mother is from a farm in Mayo, so I had a small amount. I bit, used yeah. to pack the turf as a child, or, bait, what, no, stack it in sweet yeah, yeah. stacks of turf, but...
2: Uh, they were, were just great memories, you know, when you had bunk beds and the, the bull's wool blanket, and, um, yeah, your before-breakfast runs in the dark, not knowing where you were, or... Where you were going, but look, it's all great memories.
1: Yeah, of course. Yeah, again, driven and lo- and looking for that for that end of training. So you get towards you get towards the end of your recruit training, and, and you're all told where where you're serving how how was that the, the the actual passing out parade? Was that like an amazing day? I presume families came up. And that was
0: this? a beautiful day because the families. But it was on. quick. it was very quick, yeah. and I was devastated because I was leaving. Dublin, the girls were staying in Dublin and I was going to the current and I was devastated and I remember I was crying, and like every thought like, at the end of recruit training that, you know, everybody's so happy because recruit training is over and, and, but I was crying because I was leaving Rena <laughs> because she was my buddy and I was going down to the current to sort of where I didn't know anybody, that's what I remember from our mm-hmm. passing out, but it was a lovely day and, and my parents came up and my family came up and it was lovely, but
3: yeah, it was, it was nice. I remember that we, at the end of the parade, it was, okay, go in and have your cup of tea. And then we were put onto our trucks, going yeah. to our respective units. And yeah. mm-hmm. we've met each other out the yeah. back of the truck saying yeah. goodbye. But we all met up then.
2: Oh, very soon afterwards. Yeah. I remember Karen um, and myself were posted to the same unit. We were both posted to the 2nd Battalion, which was just the other side of the barracks. So... We were marched down to be handed over, so we felt very grown up as three-star privates in our number ones. We couldn't wait to get rid of those flat, black plastic shoes, and decided we would put on the heels we were issued with. You can't march in high heels. So we, we, oh, we yes attempted) you can. <laughs> <laughs> we attempted to march from one square to the next square very very badly in our high heels feeling you know a bit silly at the end of it that yeah. we, we should have stuck with what we knew but um i suppose we had the advantage myself and karen in that we knew the barracks it's where we had spent yeah. the previous six months we mightn't have known anybody in in the unit but we were familiar with the barracks so our transition was maybe a little easier
1: yeah okay yeah and and for yourself if for you were sent to
3: the fifth battalion
1: okay and that was over in McKe.
3: Uh, no, no Collinses, no. yeah. Oh,
1: in Collins' time, yeah. That old. Still, yeah.
3: I know I don't, don't contest that old. definitely <laughs> 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 yeah, don't look at you. Yeah, so I went to the 5th Battalion. I was put into support company there, and uh, we had lovely CS, and the, the, actually all the women, I think, at that time, um, in the 5th Battalion, because a few had come from the previous crew a month or two months earlier, uh, so all the women were put into support company um, in 5th Battalion. So that's where I went to and I think I went straight onto a mortar an eighty one mortar course. Okay, all right. Then when I went when I went there, yeah.
1: Wow, and was, was that what you specialised in as, as your career went on or, or as in before you came to the airport, no. was it?
3: I left I left that behind then I went to, to the depot oh. um in it's Brigade Training Centre now, yeah. so CTD stands time, and I worked in the order room
1: there. Okay, so when, when you got to, you and know, obviously Leona, you, you went on your 81 millimetre mortar course. But um, for yourselves, uh, Sandra, what, what did you kind of initially start to specialise in for yourself? For yourself, Rena.
2: Well, similar to Leona, well, I did the exact same course as Leona, I, um, did the 81 millimetre mortar course, and we used to meet. I think we met later on that summer. At a, there was a great competition at a, a command. Championship, or now Brigade, but with mortar competition, the quick action shoot, and there was always great crack involved with yeah. them. You were part of your unit. Uh, you went to the Glen, you trained, you had your competition day. So I found great crack in those. So I, when I did my NCOs course, um, I stayed in support company and did the instructor's course in the weapons wing and continued then to instruct on that weapon and to take part in competitions. And, yeah, it was always good. It was always good fun, good crack. Um, did a couple of tours of duty overseas. And after about 11 years in, in the second battalion, I made the rank of sergeant and I felt I was ready for a new direction. Yeah. So I made my way towards uh, DFHQ and into the press office, essentially, and
1: I'm there ever since. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you're the, the, subject matter, the subject matter knowledge uh, of, of the office.
2: Well, I suppose that's the polite way of saying how old I am and I'm there the <laughs> longest, but <laughs> no, I learn something new every day and you always do, I think, in, in the wider defence forces, you, you have the opportunity to learn and to continue and um, I've, I've done that. I've, I've stayed in touch with education all over the years, did a couple of uh, small courses in social media, in sub-editing, journalism. And most recently, then did a couple of postgrads in public relations and internal communication. So, the Defence Force have always been very supportive of uh, the continued professional development of, of each individual, and they do everything they can to support you in that be it a level four, five, six, all the way up to level eight. Yeah. Uh, they're very supportive, um, and any career course nowadays, the Defence Forces recognises in collaboration with Carla YT, and people have achieved uh, great things and great results up along the level yeah and we we attend in, in the press office we attend the it carlo graduation every autumn and it's fantastic to see sometimes you know close to 200 soldiers being recognized and being awarded for their military training yeah so that's 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 a good move something positive that we that, that the organization has done in recent years
1: what about yourself sandra going down to the corridor to the to the cis
0: yeah, I yeah I started in uh, Sixfield CIS in ninety four after crew training, and I was straight on to a kind of a regimental signatures course. Basically, that was lines, telephones, all that kind of stuff. And then from there, I kind of went into the IT role, and I went to college uh, in, and did uh, IT support down in Carlow. And then I went uh, teaching, actually, in the military admin school for about 13 years, teaching IT uh, with them for about 13 years, um, and I actually did, went to Galway and did training and education in Galway just to support that role in the military school. Uh, in the meantime, I did four overseas trips, one to uh, Lebanon, uh, to Kosovo, to Uganda, and my last year to Syria. And um, I'm now currently got promoted to CS and I'm in uh, my new role is uh, CS of uh, 2 Brigade CIS in Caldwell, back to where I started from. Okay, well, was kind
1: of 26 years ago. Going on, uh, going on, uh, kind of in a circle. Sorry, in about, the, yeah, 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 fantastic. fantastic. Yeah. And <laughs> so, you would have done, obviously, as you said, you would have done outside education courses and things like that, the training in a very specialized area.
0: Yeah, IT support I did. So I've always been in a kind of a, an IT role in the DFTC. Uh, and it's something really, then when I went to the ministry of school, then uh, I kind of got a qualification then in training and education, because that's, I was teaching. So I wanted to make sure that, you know, I was teaching, right? A little bit different in CV street than it is in the army, but yeah, I did training and education in go away. And then,
3: yeah, that, that's it.
1: Oh, wow. Fantastic. Yeah. And for, for yourself, Leona, so you, you did your time in the fifth battalion, then you, you've, you, how did you end up here in, in the air corps?
3: Uh, yeah. So then I went to the depot east, then I went overseas, um, <laughs> for six months and when I came back from overseas I put in for the flight tenants course so that was in 2008 Um, and uh, I'm here ever since Um, so I did the flight tenants course I qualified on the G4 which was the big government jet at the time and uh, we had the Beechcraft and at one stage we had the Learjet all all working uh, together So um, I've got to see the world with my job. Um, I love it. I can't stress how much I have loved it over the years. I've got to see everywhere. I've got to meet lovely people. And I've found an area within the Defence Forces that I'm good at and that I can, I, I feel that, I'm really good at it. Um there's there's so many areas um within the defence forces and it, it takes it takes so many different characters um and skill sets to make that wheel keep turning and um there there's an area for everybody. I didn't always think there was an area for me because I wasn't the strongest in infantry or tactics or anything like that, but when I found here uh, here in Baldonal um that's where I knew I had found my calling, and I can make a difference. And I work with a great bunch, and they all respect my input into the whole ministerial air transport service for the last twenty years now. Yeah.
1: I know your current appointment is you're you're actually the NCO in charge of the of the of the terminal itself. Yeah.
3: So I trained. Yeah. I never thought I'd get to it. when I when I came out here as a as a young private. I never thought that I'd um, be the one in charge of it in 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 the end and training the new flight attendants and the new ground attendants. I'm able to put my stamp on it and I'm very proud of that. Mm. I'm very, and I'm very proud of the people that work here because they're so committed. Um, every single one of them, you can call them any time, night or day, and they all always answer the phone, whether it be for an air ambulance, um, a ministerial flight. Every Everyone here, I can say, hand on heart, um, just answers the phone and gets on with the job and they're brilliant. Yeah.
1: Yeah. that's great to hear kind of positive experiences I presume that just during your careers you would have all experienced kind of challenges as well and maybe difficulties with I mean was there difficulty in acceptance when he came in or did you ever encounter that
2: only very only very seldom and it was always maybe from an individual it was never uh, the the majority opinion we were very lucky when we came to personally speaking to the 2nd Infantry Battalion, we had a fantastic sergeant major in Paddy and he, he was absolutely wonderful to us. Didn't do us any favors, there was no special treatment, but he just made sure, because we were the first girls to serve in battalions, that he, he just made sure that we got a fair crack of the whip. We yeah. just wanted to be treated the same, and he just made sure that was, that happened. Um, our, our CSs and and the, the wider corporates and sergeants we work on on the whole in the majority of scenarios people were fine you know you all, no matter what organisation you're in you will have a person or one or two people that will um, you know maybe make life difficult for the sake of it or say something that's not very polite etc etc but I think we all in training we were we were trained with with the guys alongside them so. We also learned how to stand up for each other and, our, and ourselves. Um, so maybe a person might get an opportunity to say something once, but they wouldn't get the opportunity to say it a second time. Um, battalion life was, was tough. It was interesting. It was hard, <laughs> at times emotional. Um, but I never can say in 26 years I had a bad day at work. I had sad days and we, we've lost friends. Um, I've had, you know, mentally and physically tiring days when you're in the middle of a base camp in stranahili you're questioning your existence as what am i doing this for <laughs> you know um when you're on the beat at half two in the morning trying to you know focus uh, on the job in hand you, you certainly might question it but i've never had a bad day in work i've never yet had a day where i i've said i'm ready to take off these clothes and put on something else as, as, my, as my job that's personally speaking anyway
0: yeah. me as well i have to say uh, there has been times challenging, um, but I've never felt... I've always felt very included. Maybe I was very lucky in the unit that I went to six feet signals at the time. I always felt very welcome, and that gender really didn't come into the, into the equation. Now, I could have been lucky. I'm not saying it's the same everywhere. I think some people get into a bad situation or whatever the case may be. But what I do think the Army did with us... I don't know, I say it's still the same. It made us strong females. Like we came out four very strong females from from Cotterwood, and uh, I think that went through our whole careers. And mm-hmm. yeah, and Reena is right. Like um, there are times there's challenges but it's the way you it's the way you deal with the situation. And I think we were strong, and we could deal we could deal with those situations when they arose, if and when they arose. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, Jen, what do you think?
3: yeah, I agree, and I I know like sometimes I've come up against challenging situations, and I always ring my female network you know whether it be Rena or or santa or i had my my sister out here in baldonnell as well which was just fantastic um my biggest i'm her biggest supporter she's my biggest supporter Um, so i think having having each other is just so such it's something that um it's unique among us you know when we get i think when you see when you go on even any course women automatically get together and mm and get to know each other because you don't have each other's
2: support. It's a real definition of, of camaraderie. Yeah. Really, it really is. And like the other ladies, I've really relied on them over the years. Mm. Look, we're married. We all have kids now. We've all come out the other side of of all those things. And we, we would still relate to each other and um, ask each other and seek guidance from each other. So not on the military front nowadays, more so, um, you know, when it comes to puppy training or toilet training for puppies or children or secondary school or whatever challenges we're faced. Sandra's ahead of us, Leona's ahead of me. I'm the one that has the youngest between the, the three of us and Karen was ahead of us as well with her two kids. So um yeah, we've we've used our camaraderie to, in many situations, not just in the military sense.
1: Yeah. And I, and I suppose just to kind of expand on that, a small, like the overseas experience. And especially, like you've all served overseas, but I, I think you've done most number of trips with the group here, Sandra. So like with regard to kind of family, that, that's obviously very challenging as well.
0: Yeah, I'll answer that one. Yeah, I've, yes, I found it very challenging. Now, I was lucky, I went on my, my first trip was to the Lebanon and I, I didn't have t- children then. But my second trip to Kosovo, I had two. Now there was a big gap. In fairness, and I was allowed that gap. My my daughter was six when I went, and my son was eight, and very challenging. And I won't I won't lie on that one. It was, the, uh, it was a very good, very difficult tour for me, uh, only because. And I'd say basically, I probably miss them more than they miss me. And maybe not my daughter, but. It was very difficult. But I was lucky. I had a, a very good man at home that took over the role while, while I, when I went overseas. I went again at 11. Sarah, when my daughter was 11 and my son was 13, it wasn't as difficult because they were older and understood a lot more. And then I went again last year when my daughter was 18 and my son is in college. So that was no bothers. Yeah. And I think now that they're grown up, it's far easier for t- to go a little bit difficult well, not a little bit, very difficult when they're smaller, but yeah, is, I want, in fairness, the reason why I did it, probably selfish reasons, but the reason I did it, I wanted to get promoted, and I wanted to uh, achieve Tech 6, and I couldn't do that without overseas. And, and
2: That's what I don't I'm think you're doing. selfish, uh, Sandra. You know, it's, I admire you for doing it, and um, I know I'll never see promotion because I haven't made that sacrifice. Yeah. Um, I have two girls now, age 12 and 8, and I haven't gone... Overseas since they were born, it's something I will revisit in the near future, and thankfully, the you know, Defence Management, Defence Forces Management have brought in you know d- uh, the family friendly tours of duty, uh, which is three months each, um, and like it's not just open to mams, dads, anybody who 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 wants can apply for for these. So I think Lebanon has about eleven appointments. Um, I think more tech appointments for for Syria. Um, in the more specialized appointments have have brought it in so that that 's a huge very very welcoming factor over the last i think about uh, eight years that's that 's happening and that 's to be welcomed for from both mothers and fathers and people with maybe uh, an, uh who are carers for an elderly parent or relative but um yeah you know i don 't think you're selfish at all sandra, I think you're quite brave in in your choice, and you know i've you know won't reach promotion now because of that i haven't kept up with overseas i had three very 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 enjoyable missions to lebanon kosovo and probably my most enjoyable one in that the fact i got more i felt i made more of a difference was to liberia um, and you're living in a tent for six months the, the the climate itself is hugely challenging the wildlife even more so <laughs> um, but you know i never felt that i ever really accomplished as much as i did during those six months in how we or me personally and the unit made a difference in, in people's lives in, in Africa, in the, in the abject poverty that they, that they lived in at the time. At UE, we volunteered at an AIDS hospice in Monrovia, and every Sunday or Saturday you, you would go down to to volunteer and help, and the babies that you were snuggling and feeding and changing and rocking to sleep and singing to, there was no guarantee they'd be alive the following week. Wow. So that, they're stories I tell my daughters now in, in a hope to inspire them to do something good, um, and to say like, every, that, that they're very, very lucky little girls yeah. who have a roof over their head, who have the guarantee of education, and that's all African and Liberian mammies wanted for their kids was education, especially their daughters. Their, their only future at the time out there was to have, um, have their daughters finish school and to... Uh, Complete school because it's not a guarantee. Where in Ireland, it's 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 a crime not to go to school. You know, mm, you're breaking yeah. the law if you don't send your kids to school. But it's an absolute luxury in in some of those countries. So yeah,
1: mm. yeah and, and kind of a, something that you can, as you said inspire your, your own. Mm, absolutely. Yeah, and yeah and we we look trilogy. at the
2: photo albums, and um, you know they see the, the the houses or their the makeshift houses that kids their age lived in, and the the clothes or the lack of clothes that they had, and how they ate their dinner, sitting outside, and there was no tables, chairs, cutlery, cups, etc. in a, in a lot of instances. So, um, I think that's a good education for them. I certainly uh, got a huge education out of it, and it's something that I try to the lessons I learned there and the experiences I had. I try to instill in in my daughters today. So, it, overseas services, magnificent life experience for for any soldier.
3: Yeah, I think everyone should. Mm-hmm. But before having a family, for me, my part as well, should should try overseas. My husband has taken up the mantle there, um, and she's fourteen trips overseas. Wow! But um, God, if I told my girls I was leaving them for six months, I don't know what they would, what they what they would do. Um, but I do. Yeah, I think Sandra, that you're very, very brave in doing it. You know, we're lucky.
0: We're lucky that we kind of do. We can make the decision. Mm. To go or not to go, uh, I don't know whether that will change in the future. But at the minute, yeah, uh, it was a decision that I made.
3: I feel the organisation is better suited to having me here working rather and and doing the job that I'm trained to do, rather than going overseas. And look, if um, promotion uh, is is the is, is what I have to lose out on because of it, and you're prepared to do. I'm prepared to do that for my family, but mm. I'm I'm not forced to go overseas yeah Um, i'm not forced to leave my children and it's brilliant like i i love the the jobs that i get here i've done the flags to the schools um yeah that was best ever i love that part like mm-hmm. going out to the schools meeting all the kids and i delivered the irish flag to my daughter's school with, with my husband um and all the other kids were saying, no, your mommy and daddy aren't in the, the defense forces. When do you see them? They thought that they'd never see us, but they, we're, we're known as cool parents, you know? Um, mm-hmm. we, we, have, we, we have the cool jobs. Mommy flies um, with the shock, and, and daddy's in the chorus. So um, it's just, it's, it's great to, the diversity. It is. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, because as, as, uh, I have two daughters, that they're able to see that the defense force is, 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 is for women as well you know, the boys in their class didn't think that women could yeah. be soldiers
2: Yeah, yeah, enjoy. yeah my youngest gets that too and they call it you know, oh ma'am are you in your funny clothes today? Yeah. And that's the reference to the DPM You're wearing, when they were very young, why are you wearing your funny clothes yeah. today? And you know I thought oh, well I'm going to do this job, or I'm going to do that job, etc. So yeah, I, I don't know if they're proud of me or not. I, I hope they are. I'm hoping okay. to uh, inspire them. Uh, my oldest girl was actually doing a, a school project, and there was it was about stereotypes. And her teacher, last year in fifth class, put up, oh, and look here we have, you know, there's never... And there was a picture of a male soldier on the board, and there was a couple of giggles from... Ruth's table and the teacher said, what are you laughing at? She said, miss, you're wrong. Teacher, you're wrong. Ruth's mammy is, is, uh, is in the Defence Forces. So Ruth got to expand and she, I got her some extra homework, which she wasn't very pleased with. <laughs> but she had to go home and do a little project on mammy in the Defence Forces. So, yeah, look, yeah. Yeah. 40 years is, is a long time to be around. So hopefully, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: So having, having talked about that and having talked about your kids and serving overseas and, and, and how maybe your, your own families perceive you as members of the Defence Forces, um, moving into the next generation of people, so Sandra, you, you, had a, you've a, you now have a daughter who has recently joined the Defence Forces.
0: Yeah, my daughter, uh, Sarah, 19, joined the Defence Forces last year. I was away in Syria and um, I got a phone call to say she was going for a fitness test and, and I was like, fitness test for what?
1: Because she didn't tell you.
0: She never told me. It was a, it was a, I don't know. I, was a, that, I never realised she had any interest. I don't know where it came out of. And uh, she said to me after, it was her daddy, because it wasn't me. And she says to me, I have my fitness test uh, in a week's time. And I said, oh, my God. I said, I wasn't even in the country. I couldn't even help her. I couldn't do anything. It was very frustrating. But, uh, no, she did it all on her own. Uh, she used to send me videos of her doing her press-ups in the evening times to make sure that they were right. And went on did the, the fitness test, uh, nobody flew through the fitness test. Well I would have killed her if she didn't but, but, uh, <laughs> test. Flew through the fitness test and yeah, then started then in I came home in July on July first and she started July fifteenth in Dundalk.
1: Wow. Hopefully oh, so in two weeks.
0: In two weeks. I had two weeks with her before she went and and she was not a bother, off she went on her own, no bother. And what
1: was going through your mind when you dropped her up to Dundalk to start training?
0: I Actually, would you believe this is terrible, I actually didn't drop her to Dundalk, Uh, my son was competing in uh, Sweden, uh, in athletics, and she had to get her own lift up to Dundalk, and uh, off she went, Uh, one, actually there was another young lad in Kildare Town that was joining at the same time, and uh, off she went with him that day.
2: And to be fair now John just wasn't out for a run he's an Olympic hopeful Yeah, yeah. you know so it's
0: probably he, just, he, was, he was running the Europeans over in Sweden and like my whole trip to Syria was designed about getting home for this trip to Sweden like we never taught anyone Sarah like I was just getting home <laughs> for this, this trip to Sweden for him and uh, yeah and then I came home and I swear to God I never felt so bad in my life it was like picking one child over the other what do I do but the trip was already booked Everything was booked to go to Sweden yeah. And I said to her like I said, i would stay home and i would go with Chitchandrop and she was no she was quite happy. Off oh, she went with her with her friend and not a mother. She came home that way, I couldn't wait. We came home Sweet. She came home then about two weeks later, first trip home and actually I went up I actually went up and collected her and I was never so happy to see her alive. Ah, <laughs> yeah. No, but she was great. Yeah, yeah, I'm very proud of her. And, and very proud of her. Now, and I, I used to think, I wonder, has the army changed from years ago from when we trained? Because it was difficult when we trained. And I was wondering, did it get any easier? And it, yeah. it wasn't. It was very difficult. She went through the mill and, uh, in fairness now, got through it on the other side.
1: Fantastic. And she yeah. She recently, she passed out, uh, was it? That...
0: Yeah. And that is, she's now in the Corra, in CIS in the Corra. She's following her in her mother's steps. Following her mother's steps, yeah. Now, on her next, and her hope now, to be fair, is to go overseas. I always wondered, you know, my trips overseas, would they have affected her in the fact that she, you know, would she want to go overseas? But no, she's very keen now to go overseas. And, well, it's money, really, isn't it? She wants to go overseas and wants to do her job and, and get some money at the end of it. That's great.
2: Yeah. It was a wonderful day at our at our past Now, parade, we... Yeah. We togged off that and. That was a very yeah. for
0: me. The girls all came up, R- R- Rina, Leona, and uh, Roisin all came up because my daughter was passing out and that, I thought that was beautiful. And my parents were there and they were so delighted because they thought it was lovely that the girls yeah. came up to see my daughter graduating.
2: It was, it was an emotional day actually. Yeah. It really was. It was uh, wonderful to see and it was lovely to see Sarah with her three friends yeah. and it was almost like history repeating itself. Yeah. You know, yeah. it, was, it was great. Yeah. Yeah. I think we, think we
1: highlighted the time with just the first, okay? That's the first oh, first instance ever. Of yeah. that.
0: Yes, first oh, mother mom, and daughter.
2: daughter. Yeah, yeah. We have two mother and sons. One serving at the moment, and then one served uh, in the late nineties. But this was the first mum and daughter to serve. Yeah,
1: I suppose kind of on the, on that topic. For anybody, anybody, any girls at home, or even anybody at home um, who's thinking of joining the defence forces, just from your own experience, is there any is there any kind of message that you would have for them, or is there anything you know? Did you have to say it to them, or it's
3: it's so diverse? You have so many career choices that you can make, and you can even mix your choices. So you can have your active um, soldiering side alongside, well, in Baldano, I, I, I can talk about it here, that's where I'm based, we have so many options. You can work in helicopter operations, fixed-wing operations, photography, refuelers, flight attendants, every... There's there's so many areas um, that appeal to, to both men and women, but, and the, but there's areas that can be your girly girl, and you can be you're a tomboy, maybe if, if if you want to call it that. Um, it's it's just I just think it's a great job that you can wear so many different hats, um, and you're allowed to do that. Um, that's my experience.
2: Yeah, I think um, joining up, and I joined up as say as a graduate. Uh, there was never any regret there because very quickly I knew I could continue in education while in uniform but i just think the 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 attraction of the travel and serving overseas um you know ireland has the the longest record of, of peacekeeping in the world um i think bill clinton and jfk talked about it and ki moon talked about it and in 62 years irish soldiers have never taken a day off on peacekeeping and that's a wonderful wonderfully proud fact that i you know, tell people now and again. And I suppose as that eleven year old looking back now, reading that story about Nyemba and knowing that I have followed in their footsteps, albeit decades later, and where the world maybe was a hell of a lot safer to travel overseas, there's always risk attached to it. Um but I'm immensely proud of, of my overseas service and just the opportunities that afforded me to make more friends. Like I traveled overseas with Leona. We just missed Sandra. Um, but we've made such lifelong friends from those missions as well. And you just learn an awful lot about yourself. And the world doesn't revolve around you all the time. And, you know, it's, it's, it's very humbling to to serve overseas and to represent Ireland and the Defence Forces. And that's been, without doubt, the highlight of, of my time in in service and you know don't ever be afraid to consider it as a career choice more so go out and and uh, you know try it chance it go for it and make it make it yours as Leona said there are so many roles and jobs that you can do Um, you know so I'm working now in public relations and I could leave my job in the defense forces and work in the communications industry anywhere, you know, that I would choose to, you know, on a part-time basis, a full-time basis, because that's the experience and the, the qualifications I've gained through 26 years in uniform. So, it, you know, it prepares you for life and it prepares you for, I think, just the experience of dealing with life and people has been invaluable, yeah.
0: Girls finish school now and college, but if college is not at that time, at 18, if you're not ready for college... Uh, I think a career in the Defence Force is great for maturing people and then they can make these decisions afterwards to go to college or not go to college or whatever the case may be. But the Army for me and I think for the girls in the room here has been a great decision that we made a long, long time ago and I have to be honest I'd never regret it. And I think that has shown in my own house because my daughter has now joined and I think I've always... Uh, enjoyed my career in Defence Force and I think Sarah has seen the fact that I've enjoyed it and, and that's why she has joined the Defence Forces. And I think, this, I think a lot of girls don't really understand that the Defence Forces is such wide open that girls are very welcome to join and it is physically challenging but at the end of the day, it is so worth it.
1: So, um, at the end of that, thanks very much for a fantastic insight. Um, thanks so much to Reena, uh, Sandra and Leona for coming on the show. Thanks very, very much.
2: You're very welcome. very oh,
1: welcome. Um, as always, we encourage our listeners to check out military.ie and our social media platforms for more information on the Irish Defence Forces. Our members are also encouraged to check out the members area of military.ie. This episode marks the end of the first season of the Irish Defence Forces podcast. We'll be taking a short hiatus for a few weeks while we work on season two. Today's episode was produced by Gunnar Park Sullivan and Sergeant Paul Keeley of the Defence Forces Audiovisual School. We'll be back soon with season two. Thank you to all our listeners who supported us during season one. As always, from all of us here in Defence Forces Public Relations Branch, stay safe.